Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Oh, Summer, is it fair that during your reign we hibernate, shielding ourselves from the giant fireball in the sky, only getting hotter, your kryptonite-like power, thighs sticking together, then sticking to everything else, wondering if we've peed the bed or if it's just sweat. You make all things moist, forcing us to chill red wine, remove body hair, wear shorts. It must be summer seasonal disorder. Mosquitoes, fuck those things. And ticks, fuck those things too. Wildfires, wildfires, the apocalypse outside. Too many nipples that aren't ours. Sunburn all over your body, not just your face. No fucking skiing. Need I say more? Mm. Deep breath. Whew. Hi, friend. Hi. <laughs> it's It's been a minute since we sat down to record. Um, I know. I miss um, the recording space. I do. Yeah, I miss. I mean, you and I have talked all summer, yes. so it's not like we haven't spoken, but we haven't spoken together on an episode of Juicy Bits since... Uh, our last episode that came out sometime in June. So we've had this this long this long summer. Mm-hmm. Um, how how was your summer? Well, um, it it was full. I will have to say that this summer, unlike most others, was really full, but it also had like a slow pace. So we had time up on our land, which we sort of bought in a reaction to um, wildfires and like needing clean air. And so me and Brandon and Micah. You know, we packed up the van, but packed it up not to cruise it all over, packed it up to park it on our land and, and surf at the ocean and hike in the redwoods and swim in the river. And we did that for, I don't know, five weeks and mostly off the grid, which for Brennan and I, we both got a little twitchy at times. And then we were embracing the fact that we could just like be still and found mountain bike trails. And I figured out how to catch and ride waves in my 10 plus years of being a beginner surfer had like a huge move this summer. So that was kind of exciting. Got our little one on the board. Um, yeah, hung out in redwood trees and and then we had some other little travels and dipped into Tahoe to do our, uh, July turns and our August turns. And then, yeah, just next thing you know, we're like back in the swing of the school year and wildfires and then, uh, and then welcoming winter. Yeah. Well, the whole time you were, uh, up north, I was in Kenya mm-hmm. for my uh, every, you know, I need to get out of Reno, Nevada. Well, for a million reasons, <laughs> but uh, one of the biggest reasons is to the heat. It's so hot. And obviously my whole second life in Kenya. So I spent the summer in Kenya doing all my work with Zawadisha. And I also, this was a big summer because I 
led my first bike trip across the country. So we started in Nairobi and we went all the way down to the coast and 15 people agreed to go along with me and kind of went off without a hitch, which was incredible. Raised about $40,000 for Zawadisha and also just sort of had this experience that uh, showed me how much people want to be a part of a really immersive um, group travel mm -hmm. and want to be a part of a safe space where they can get to see different places, not really as a tourist, but as a person who is really learning about the land and learning about the people. So that was a great trip because it kind of kicked off you know, one of our new big things at Coalition, which is to launch our adventure travel trips that we're call, calling Far Out. We'll be talking about that more on future episodes. People can head over to the Coalition website if they want to learn about that. But yeah, spent spent that time there. It was amazing and always difficult to come back. And interestingly enough, that the day that I the day that I got on my flights to leave the country mm -hmm. was the day that Roe versus Wade was overturned. And I'm on the airplane. So I had I flew from Reno to Dallas, Dallas to Doha, Doha to Nairobi. And the whole time I'm on these flights crying half the time, writing and looking around being like, just, I wanted to scream. Does everybody know what just happened today? Like, why isn't everyone freaking out? And maybe P I don't, I don't really know, but that was a, that was a really um, interesting way to leave this country and to start summer. And then of course, when I got to Kenya, it's all anyone wanted to talk about mm -hmm. was how in the actual fuck does a place like the United States of America which is supposed to be like individual rights and the place where we have freedom and independence. Mm -hmm. How does a place like the United States overturn Roe v. Wade? And I had to explain to all my friends in Kenya, like, why are we actually surprised when you look at the history of the United States and the way that this country was founded mm -hmm. on colonization, the forced removal of indigenous people through violent oppression, control of people's bodies, why would we think that it's odd that we overturned Roe v. Wade? So that that was how I how I really sort of kicked off my summer. And here we are getting ready for fall to start moving into midterm elections. So that's kind of been like the biggest topic of conversation for me all summer and something I've been thinking about, like, what are we what are we going to do about this with the midterms? Because it along with everything, it's just such a big deal. I remember thinking when you, you had a post up and it might've been your boarding pass or something and you were mm -hmm. like, yeah, fucking, I'm fucking out of here. And I remember thinking, I hope that you come home. Like I was having the like, <laughs> no one knows. Yeah. Cause I was like, if I were you and I could fucking get the fuck out of here. And, mm -hmm. and cause I think what you, what you touched on is this, this, this question when you're, when you're out, you know, you're in another country or the continent. And, and there's that question of like, how could the U.S. do this? And I think it's the, the constant reminder that that bubble is bursting for us all the time that we, oh, we think we have such access. We think we have such freedom. We have such individual rights. And there's all these constraints and, and limitations on that because of people in power and because of people being able to constantly reinforce what our country was founded on, which was really a limiting of rights for so many humans and, and a limiting of access. So I'm really glad you're home and that you didn't you. totally choose to just check out on us. Still yeah, could happen. I know. Still yeah. could happen. Don't hold your breath. Um, well, because there is, you know, like we see a lot of 
um, solid change happening around the globe. And then we come back and we're like, why are we still in this re reversal of work that's been done to help protect rights? And then in this case, largely protect rights for access for health for women. And I think when we, when we look at the Republican right right now, and we look at what Lindsey Graham's proposed, and we look at the conversations around it, I think it's meant to distract people um, and, and move them away from the actual core of it, which you even said when I walked in the door and we started chatting, which really comes down to this, this idea of power and, and who's holding it, who's wielding it and who's denied it. Yeah. Well, in the, in the, you know, on the topic of abortion, like it's, it's so much more than abortion. This, if, if this was just about abortion, I think that the issue would actually be so much more cut and dry mm -hmm. than than it is and, and the conversations that that i want to have are actually not so much about abortion and not so much access to health care but really around this larger topic of reproductive justice and how does reproductive justice tie in or what, what are the intersectionalities of reproductive justice with climate justice with racial justice with gender you know there's there's all of these issues that are, are connected and and again None of us should be surprised that uh, there is a strategic and, and very smart attempt to uh, take away the rights of people above and beyond the ability for us to manage our own bodies. If you and, and perhaps I'm like sort of going down this pathway of being a conspiracy theorist, which I don't think I am, but I don't know. There's probably someone out there who's like, that bitch doesn't know what's going on. But it's really interesting when you think about the way that this is being positioned. If there's a federal ban on abortion, and then if you go and you get an abortion, which is a now federal offense, that means you can no longer vote. If you are convicted of having, you know, having an abortion and that's illegal on, on the federal level, you lose the right to vote. And so many people who are incarcerated know this and and we know that we have this prison industrial system that was really created you know to make money but also to sort of create you know who are the people in who can fully participate in society and participate in a democracy and it really works out well um to limit that to have fewer people being able to vote fewer people being able to participate and we can't really talk about abortion without talking about um, racial issues in the United States without talking about um, poverty and socioeconomics. And this is, this is really, I feel, um, and I'm, you know, one of, you know, probably like the least thoughtful, intelligent people about it, that this, this is more about power than it actually is about abortion. And I think that that's the reason why we really should be paying attention to this. And, and we really should all be coming up with a plan mm -hmm. for what we're going to do uh, in the midterm elections, because if we have a House and a Senate that um, go to Republicans, there's a very good chance that that abortion will become federally banned. And and what does that mean for a lot of us? And 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 for that, I mean, air quote progress <laughs> that um, we've been making. So I was thinking about us recording and I was thinking back to an episode that we did much earlier. Um, we're in season six and I think this was in maybe season two. And mm -hmm. one of our supporters who um, was on our show. So if you haven't listened to this, go back and find it. But it was an episode where we spoke to someone who was pro-life. Yeah. 
And one of the things that was a really big takeaway, and, and it may, you made me think of it when we were talking about the issues related to reproductive justice and, and really coming down to um, issues of poverty and access is one of the points our guest made was this isn't so much um, about just pro-life or pro-choice, but if there is a person in a situation that there's questioning whether or not to you know, be a mother, have a child, what are their access points and options? And um, I remember her bringing up, you know, how would we help a young person or, an, or help a woman that wanted to have a child but was considering an abortion because they didn't have a partner or they didn't have um, the money they thought they needed to raise a child. So there was this idea, if you're really looking at protecting that life too, the question of abortion isn't, could, could be black or white, right? But in, in the respect of how are we supporting people that wanted to do it, but they don't have the resources. And so they're choosing to do it because without those resources, they're seeing their life and the life of this potential child as not being one that they could be like their fullest selves. And it was just this different perspective on the idea of anti-abortion or pro-abortion about the resources that are allotted for those people that choose um, to have abortions because they don't feel like they have that because they maybe are in poverty, they don't have a partner. And so I, I thought back to her words and her sense, and that to me is also an important part of the conversation when we think about who's elected, who's in office, of what does it mean for um, single mothers? What does it feel mean for children? What does it mean for people that are like choosing to have families and the resources they're given? And what does it mean for people that then choose to not have a child or have access to abortion? And that should be respected also. Yeah. Well, and I think we would be having such a different conversation if we knew that there, those resources were available to mm -hmm. all people who mm -hmm. wanted to have children. So is there affordable, um, equitable, robust early childhood, early childhood education. Mm -hmm. What does our healthcare system look like? like it, is in, it is absolutely unacceptable that we have some of the highest um, infant mortality rates mm -hmm. and um, uh, mortality rates of, of mo mothers. Until we can deal with the healthcare side of things that all people have access to um, robust and, and affordable health care until people have access to quality child care mm -hmm. and ed education until we have a living wage mm -hmm. that is guaranteed by our government um, until we have affordable transportation, affordable housing. Like we don't actually have really any of the infrastructure mm -hmm. in place to have a conversation of, Oh, well, people are now fully supported mm -hmm. in having children. It doesn't, it, it doesn't exist. And, and the, the, is it, is it irony? Is it by design? Like what, what is it that the very same people who want to limit abortion, who want to actually refuse this, um, this healthcare procedure, those are the same people who are not supporting education for all healthcare for all affordable housing for all living wage for mm -hmm. all. They are, they are, the, they, and they, like, I'll just come out and say it, like the majority of, re, of Republicans or today's Republican Party. Certainly there's plenty of Republicans who are pro-abortion, who believe in education, help health care. But the, the current Republican Party isn't actually passing any legislation or proposing legislation that would make it easier to be able to raise a child mm -hmm. in this country. It just continues to get more and more difficult because of 
the high cost and the um, lack of access to all of it. And we could just have a different conversation if we had all those things. And yet we don't. Yeah, because the energy we would take and and by we, I mean, as a society looking at this instead of it being a, um, you know, an overturn of Roe and then a, a question of, a, 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 you know, a Republican versus Democrat, because I agree with you. I think that on an individual level, people have their values and their, mm-hmm. their decisions in different places. But as a whole, this is a a trend in which one party would vote versus the other, right? Or mm-hmm. one, what they might propose. And so instead of taking away the energy to put it into productive work of like family medical leave and access to healthcare and the things you speak of related to, um, what's the word you use? I like that, that sense of like a robust way robust, of yeah. being like the, uh, I, I, I can go in and, and have a child and then leave and know that the care would still be a part of it. You know, it's not just like I get my safety checks when I leave the hospital and then I'm left off on my own. And I think um, one of the the big pieces of feedback that we got from that episode, which again, really stuck with me was a majority of women that, that reached out to us that had had abortions, the single most um, common feeling afterwards was a sense of relief. Mm-hmm. And what that also does for a, a, a sense of our population that we have people walking around with a sense of relief as opposed to a sense of fear and a sense of um, even a burden, which, you know, I can speak to as a mother who's who's raising a child and I feel very fortunate that I can provide for her in the way that I can. But there are things around um, motherhood that are incredibly stressful and are incredibly, like there's constant dynamic decisions being made and what it takes to have access to provide for and keep like a young person healthy and thriving and then keep the family unit healthy and thriving and then be a person that can go out in society and contribute in a healthy and thriving way. And so those conversations, it, it, it makes me, it, it just, it, it feels almost bananas because the, the waste of energy that goes into fighting for something that had been, you know, a, a protection and then this, this fight to, to take it away. And now this new delivery of a way to take it away even further. So question for you, Jen, I'm, I'm, I, I want to clarify this. So my understanding is this federal ban that's being proposed would be on a 15 week abortion. Yeah. And therefore the, the, the language around it, because I always think the Republican party, unfortunately is better at their propaganda, right? Of, they're just kind of better at politics. Like yeah. They're just, they are really, they are, they are really, really good. And, and, and anybody who is on the more like progressive or identifies as a Democrat or like, if you're on, if if you identify as a progressive or a liberal, we, Republicans are not stupid. These, these aren't people who, who are dumb. They are incredibly intelligent. We do ourselves a disservice to think that this is an issue of intellect. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. winning at intellect. Yeah. They are, they are so, so good at it. So yeah, they're, they're very good at propaganda. They're, they're very good at, at strategy. And a lot of times we think we're just smarter than them and we don't work as hard. We don't have the political will mm-hmm. that they have. And, um, I'll let you get back to your question. I just want to say one more, one more thing. Um, you know, when I was having a, a late night the other night with Mr. Sexy Time, mm-hmm. one of the things that he said that I thought was something to consider is he was like, well, because one of the things I, I was, I've been speaking about is like, what would happen if we chose to be the party or chose to be the people in power? We continuously come from this deficit of, oh, those people, the other people who have the power, we don't have it. And I was like, what if we just changed our mindset and said, we will be the people who have the power. And he said, well, power corrupts. 
Mm. Are you worried that you would then be like them? Are, are, are you, are you concerned that the reason why um, the Republican right has been so successful is because they don't have a problem with their own corruption. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and I was like, wow, I don't, we would only know if we got there. I'm certainly interested in finding out what that might look like. (laughs) And in the like utopian feminist world that I want to create, the answer to that would be no, we would be better, but I don't, I don't actually know. So that, that is a concern of like, what, what are we willing to do to get the things that we want? And then are we, um, you know, do we lose our integrity and our morals and our values in, in this fight? And I don't, I don't know. But anyways, I digress. Well, that is a huge question because what, <laughs> what it makes me think of is like the, uh, you know, the oppressed becoming the oppressor, right? So going back to Mary's yeah. work and you're like, okay, well now you have it. Yeah. You know, it's the smallest thing of like, you know, the bully on the schoolyard. It's like the bullies might bully because then they realize if they're being bullied and then they all of a sudden can be the bully, they take back some of that power. And mm-hmm. it's that, Um, momentum that might help protect someone right and so this sense of what would it look like and feel like and then power corrupts I I find it kind of fascinating to wrap my head around because I I think it goes back to that sense of like dismantling the system right change Mm -hmm. knocking it all down to change it and there's only a very few examples I can think of with more of like this like taking down that sense of hierarchy and having more of a circular leadership right or having more of um, you know, just something by design where it's not um, in that. I think of that, you know, the triangular shape of everyone's on top and feeding off those on the bottom. And I think your your comment of just shifting the mindset around us having that power, I do think that sometimes there's that, what's uh, the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't, I don't want to say like a disassociation with power, but it's like that re- claiming of that word or changing the connotation because I think often we think of power as being corrupt and power as being power over others as mm-hmm. opposed to power within to powerful then, yes yes and it's like shifting that way of you know I, I love using powerful so much more than being empowered right because mm-hmm. that's to to you know to say that you don't have it so I have to give it to you and it's like remind remembering that we all have it and then in our system now it's like oh where our power is with our dollar right our power is with our vote and so then how do we use that to then put forward the values and the, the policies and the practices we want? Because I do think on some level, the policy in the current society we live in, it does matter. Because if you're in a state where the policy, so going back to the federal ban, my understanding, and obviously the federal always trumps, and I think back to this with like ganja and marijuana laws, right? Mm-hmm. When there's a federal ban on any cannabis grow, but each state would have its own laws, the federal government could always come in and you know knock down your farm or take away whatever you had, because they would always, I dislike saying trumps, but it would trump the states, rights. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of a federal ban and then leaving things up to the states, it still leaves like almost half of our states probably leaning towards full bans. Which is where and, we're, which is like where we're at yes, currently today. And if we all remember, you know, when Roe v. Wade was overturned back in June, the Supreme Court sort of explicitly stated, well, the reason for this would be that it would go back to states' rights. And and, and the Republicans said, look, this is just going to be a states' rights issue. And we believe them. We, not me. I've been fucking yelling about this and like, oh, okay, no one mm-hmm. fucking believes you. But there was this sort of like, oh, okay, states' rights, states' rights. And, and I think also like, look at, um, you know, our dear friend, Amy Comey Barrett, fuck you, bitch. Um, you know, her whole reason for why she, well, what she said 
why she was uh, in a position to overturn Roe versus Wade is she, she she said that women, and again, we shouldn't just say women, like humans who give birth, but she used the word women are in a very different position today in that abortion is available, or sorry, um, adoption is available and uh, women have more access to money and jobs. And so the landscape, again, that, that infrastructure today is completely different than it was when Roe v. Wade was first enacted, except for that that's like, this is where like theory doesn't match reality. Maybe for you, Amy, Mm -hmm. maybe you have um, a huge network of resourced individuals who can care for your children, who, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you get to work a nine to five that has weekends off and paid time off mm-hmm. and sick, sick leave. So if, it, if, if you're that person, mm-hmm. then yes, it, it is easier, but to completely ignore that a huge, you know, a, a, a huge percentage of our population still doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, her, her argument didn't even, it, it doesn't hold up to the reality that people in this country face. And yet, I think because we want to believe that women have come so far and we want to be happy that a woman is on the Supreme court. I actually don't give two shits. Like she did not, she's not helping us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't care. Like I would have rather had a cis straight white man who would fight for reproductive justice over a woman on Mm -hmm. the Supreme court. Like this is where numbers don't Mm -hmm. matter. Um, This is about like the values of individuals Mm -hmm. and yeah, her entire argument doesn't even hold up. I think it tries to put people like they wanted to after Obama was elected. Like, look, now we're in a post-racial society. Oh, look, Mm -hmm. now misogyny doesn't exist. Oh, now we're in a post-sexist society. It doesn't matter. It's like those institutions are completely built on the fact of like superior inferiority when we're, when we're looking, I think at gender yeah, and when we're looking at um, the availability and the access for people in different socioeconomic situations. And I think your point is, is, very strong, you know, I'm biased, but, you know, just this idea of, um, you know, where, where you stand in society. But I also think there's that sense of an internalized kind of sexism that women might, if they've, if they've been able to use their position to get to that place of power, I think they lose sight to be able to say that, oh, women have come so far fair. We could say maybe a little, there's, there's situations that women may have things, um, have better access or more access, but you know what? A lot of women are now just doing it all. They're doing both. So now you can be a mother and have a family and work and get your degrees, but there's still a sense of so much of that falling on, um, on the female and on the mother. Well, and on, and on, and like, it's not helpful to have a white woman's perspective on this. Like, like her, her experience as a woman is not, you know, it's, it's, it kind of doesn't count yeah. because it's, she's incredibly well resourced. Yeah. So she, you know, it doesn't, it's not like, and, and I'm relatively resourced. Um, and, and so she and I probably have things in common in, in that sense, but like to not even be able to understand that, no, not all Mm -hmm. women are like you, not all people who can have children are like you Mm -hmm. and they don't have the same access, but also that's what she said out loud and that's how she got, you know, like Susan Collins and the like to, um, you know, a- approve her nomination. Who really knows what she, you know, believes, mm-hmm. what, what she really believes, but that was just one of her, her talking points, which again, does not hold up in the reality 
of in the this majority country. of the humans in this country. So yeah. that idea that one person and positions of power and like you're representing your constituency. And this, I think, goes back to the Republican intellect and their propaganda is I think this move right now is also designed to, I mean, I would love for it to fucking backfire, but you have the sense of it positioning an issue like abortion against individual rights. And I think that's somewhere where, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, the idea of individual rights, less government, this sense in within the Republican Party is they want that removed because there are certain things that they want to preserve, whether it's their tax breaks or... Um, you know, government involvement in certain things, the privatization of things that also hurts people that are not in that socioeconomic status that can have everything privatized. And well, I think- it's, it's less government for the people who benefit from less government. Again, this goes back to maintaining power and control. So mm-hmm. if you have gun rights, mm-hmm. if you have rights to private property, mm-hmm. if you have greater tax breaks, if you don't have to meet any sort of environmental protections. If you're, you know, if you have, um, if, if as a corporation, you don't have to pay a living wage, that certainly Mm -hmm. is protecting certain people's Mm -hmm. rights. And we, Mm -hmm. and we just need to be really clear about this, that this is the maintenance of white supremacy. This Mm -hmm. is the maintenance of white power of, um, of the patriarchy, of the power of straight people, mm-hmm. um, the the power of, um, of, of of capitalism. And it is like, I oftentimes get into arguments with people when I use the word white supremacy, like it's like a trigger word and people mm-hmm. don't want to hear it. I'm not really talking about like, you know, the KKK. I'm talking about whiteness as normal, whiteness as the bet, like, and whiteness and white culture as, um, as what we as something that we are striving, we are striving for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this, this maintains white supremacy and that um, it continues to hurt the people who would challenge that, who, who would challenge the people who have always held the power in this country um, since white people stepped foot on this soil. Reproductive justice means that they don't get to have power over us. Mm-hmm. And and so this is this is not simply a fight around abortion. This is this is really a fight about who has power um and who who doesn't. And this is all by design. This is the way that they want it. Mm-hmm. This is the way they want it. And this and it's really like you and I, so it's been 29 minutes and 34 seconds because it went by in like we can 10 see we're looking at I'm the like, little clock. I know. Yes. Um, imagine when we actually sit down, when you and I just talk normally and we're not looking at a timer, like probably your, your husband is like, um, hello, what yeah. can you like get off the phone now? But, um, he's actually not that he's great, but the point, like we could go on forever about this, but there's one thing to just like talk about it the way mm-hmm. that we are. And there's another thing to actually make a commitment to go out and do something. So I understand that a lot of people feel really disenfranchised mm-hmm. with the voting process. Uh, they don't necessarily believe that their vote counts. Uh, they don't really want to participate in democracy. Now for people who can vote, um, this you need to go out and vote at the midterms. Mm-hmm. If you believe that people should have access to abortion, mm-hmm. you need to vote mm-hmm. for candidates, who will uphold that right. If you don't go out and vote, then 
we could lose this. There are real consequences. And I don't, I don't know how many just absolutely failed elections do we need to have for people to realize, oh, fuck, there is a consequence if I don't vote. I don't know, y'all. Do you remember Trump? Do you remember that whole fucking debacle? Yeah, that was because people didn't, people didn't, who, who held values of justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion didn't go out and vote. So if you want to practice inclusion, if you want to practice um, justice and equity, if you can vote, you need to go vote. Mm-hmm. And and you you can't sort of like tap out of that because it's too difficult um, or you don't know who to vote for. Or, fucking email me. I'll tell you. Yes. I will tell you who to vote for, who will maintain um, or and, and uphold um, these rights. Now, I also want to say I recognize that there's a lot of people who cannot vote. Mm-hmm. Either they're undocumented, uh, they have a felony, um, they're under the age of 18, and they probably really want to be engaged in this. And, and what I would say to those people is, I know we put so much emphasis on on voting, um, but do you have your power of your story and your voice to talk to your community and your your network of, of friends and, and family to encourage them to go out to vote? Like, what are the different ways that you could be involved um, in this social justice work? And I think a piece there that's really important that you touched on is, you, you know, so you and I talking, right? And this is like, you know, it's what we do. It's why we have juicy bits. It's what we, we always hope to kind of whether we're circling around, but we come at the end of, you know, it's, it's conversation, it's dialogue. And I think for some of the, the groups that you're talking about that might not be able to just ex- execute out with a, with a vote is normalizing the conversation around abortion and the word of it and having it be something that is spoken about. I know there are times in school where I've tried to bring it up in a debate or this, and the idea of it becomes really controversial. And I'm like, I think it's really important that the conversations, the stories, the the words become something that can be bravely spoken and, and you can listen to people's stories and it's not something that um, it doesn't get talked about. And I think that's a piece that I hope we bring to listeners and that people feel confident to then bring to their conversations with their friends, with their family, and not have it be something that they feel is, um, that doesn't impact them and that it, it should and needs to be talked about. Yeah. And I wonder, like, I think, um, you know, abortion is a medical procedure mm-hmm. and it's this tricky thing where could we destigmatize abortion by referring to it as a medical procedure? I had a medical procedure. It was a med- like, that would be something that would be wonderful to get to. And then at the same time, I don't want to take away from people's pain. Like it is a medical procedure in your uterus. Mm-hmm. It's a big, it is a big deal. It Absolutely. is a big decision. It is something that will be um, difficult to go through. Even if mentally you're completely worked through and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. I don't have a, a problem. That takes a toll on your body. Mm-hmm. Medical procedures take a toll. So it's this fine line of, of, Acknowledging that, yes, this is a medical procedure that should be normalized like other medical procedures have been. And yet, how do you also honor all the different emotions and, and physical physical trauma that you will that you will go through that should also just be recognized um, and um, and understood? It's, you know, 
but I, so I don't, I don't totally know the answer on, on that, but this, you know, abortion is a medical procedure. It should be available to human beings. And we certainly shouldn't have our government restricting access to medical procedures. It just shouldn't happen. Mic drop. So I feel like maybe that's all that we need to say about this conversation today. Um, Listeners, if you have strong feelings about this or no feelings, if any feelings, reach out to us, Mm -hmm. send us an email. You can reach us through the contact form on the coalitionsnow.com website. You can send an email to hello at coalitionsnow.com. Let us know how you're feeling about this. Let us know if there's something specific you're going to do in your own community to mobilize people around this issue. Um, and you know, this is the, the first episode that we're dropping of this season. Mm-hmm. We will likely be talking about this at least all the way through the yes. midterms, if not longer. We will occasionally talk about skiing mm-hmm. when it's like when we're shredding pal, we're gonna talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk probably talk about my love life yeah. per the usual because it's just dumb and ridiculous and just amusing yeah, it's entertaining it's entertaining it's entertainment yeah. so um <laughs> thanks jen you're welcome um, so we we'll do, do have that. some good interviews um, we have some lined up great have interviews some fabulous humans that are going to be on mm-hmm. with us this season and i'm um, talking about their projects and what they're doing to shred the patriarchy and yep so there's there's lots of good stuff to come if you're listening to this right now i'm gonna ask you would you please leave us a review um on itunes mm-hmm. and if you want to leave a bad review, maybe I'll encourage you less. Like I can't control you mm-hmm. because I'm not going to have power over you. But so mm. maybe if you want to leave a good review, you yeah. go do that. Yeah. And, and the bad they, reviews can come in by email and then we could go from there. I yep. love to, I mean, some of those, there's a few that I've read and you're like, Jillian, this isn't the first one you've read like this. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm ready. It took me by surprise. Cause it was like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah. It's great. We're not um, everyone's cup of tea, no. but that's okay. But anywho, if you could um, leave us a review, um, share this podcast with anybody who you think would be interested in these conversations. And then again, please do you know reach, reach out to us and, and let us know how you are activating your community around this incredibly important conversation and issue that is on the ballot mm-hmm. in the midterms, which is why we need to go do that thing. Rovember. All right, everyone. We it's been great chatting with all of you, Jillian. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, we'll see you next time.